Welcome to a new episode of DevSecop Talks with me, Matthias, Julian, and Andre. And today, Much more energy, you see? Yeah, yeah. This is much better. And today we are talking about who's leaving the cloud, right? Is that the question? Are you taking? <laughs> I think it's like uh, I think it's a question, Julian. Don't need. <laughs> I, I I mean, it's a question for 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 you, Julian. Have you heard about any companies leaving the cloud and why? In that sense. Well, yeah, a few few months ago, you know, there is all this wave about Basecamp with uh, the famous DHH that um, wrote an article about why they are leaving the cloud. Yeah, and I think everything makes sense. Uh, there are companies time to time that actually analyze the cost and they see, but and this is a big but they don't they never hundred percent leave the cloud. There is always a little bit of services that are nice to outsource. Yeah. So it's more like the when they say leaving the cloud, it's more like the majority of the service is not in the so, cloud. So it's, so it's a hybrid, they're going to say. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I see that. And that makes total sense to me. Like, but, yeah. But it's it, like they're pulling back the, the biggest workload, right? To on-prem stuff, metal, and like Basically, has, predictable predictable workload that you predict, have, yeah, predictable yeah. amount of it, and yeah. then you could you know you could plan. Yeah. So when when you you sign a contract with a cloud provider, let's say you're big enough, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not talking uh, you know small to medium company. I'm talking like hey, we, we, it's negotiate with a six figure in dollars mm. kind of monthly yeah. bill, and uh, you you kind of have discounts because you commit to a certain amount of resources. It's like, hey, I want that many thousand CPU. You know, I want that much uh, bandwidth. I want that much storage. And then and then the, the price, uh, the, the cloud makes you an offer and say, hey, this is how much we would charge you if you commit to that much. The yeah. rest is actually what you would pay. Like it's variable. But yeah. you have a fixed cost. And so yeah. if, you know, people are, are, you know, they work, they have a really healthy tech organization and people actually discuss, different departments discuss and say, hey, look, with that money, if we decide, to, because we have the knowledge in-house, we decide to run that on bare metal server, it's, it, we can save a lot, but we need to, you know, deal with it ourselves. Yeah. So we, we need people to manage that. And so th- this is where... They made the choice. They understand the trade-off. They understand what they need. And they made a decision based on that. And I think it's a healthy decision to say, hey, you know what? It, they just don't, It's not a trend per se. It's more like no. they, they look at the, the, the big picture and they say, hey, we can save money there. It makes sense for us. We can do this. But, but it's always the money. Oh, yeah. Okay. So nobody's leaving the cloud to get better something else performance no, it's, everything is in the cloud right I, I would say it's primarily the money yeah uh, otherwise why why would you if you could just rent a car uh you know for the same price as owning one would you really want to you know mm-hmm. own yeah. The <laughs> yeah 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 uh, it, it's, it's a little bit like that or yeah you know re- renting a house or an apartment you know it, it's a little bit the same same deal it's like hey it makes sense for us financially 
to do that. Uh, whether it's a good idea, I, th- I say it depends very much on the skills and the type of workload that you have. Yeah, so we could see the companies who, once they grow, like when they're small, there is no option at all. So you start with the cloud because you pay as you go. You can get yeah. as much as you need and you pay exactly that. There is no commitment. So you can always pull off and decrease your spend if you are tight on cash or things not doesn't go according to the plan. Then you grow and your and your costs grow. You know, your cloud costs grow. At some point, you will pay a lot and then you might be in a position to start arguing because you pay a lot. So you're actually getting quite a bit of leverage, right? It's like the same with the banks. If I fail now, dear government, I will take down <laughs> you with, with me. So like, you, you're just too big. Yeah. And then you could negotiate about your price and you will not pay the on-demand price that everyone is getting. This is exactly what Julian described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could also, what you could also do, that, like in AWS, AWS Marketplace, so you can buy services, you can buy stuff through AWS Marketplace, and that will come towards your Amazon spend that you committed yeah. to. So that's why the, there are so many stuff on AWS Marketplace. Who would buy otherwise? Anyhow, uh, and then, like, there was, I think, the first article, the big article that was discussed widely in the internet, there was Dropbox. Yeah. And Dropbox basically built the company on top of the S3. Exactly. So, and the, and the cheap storage, and that S3 provided that. But now, like, I don't know who is still using Dropbox and for what, because they feel like lost their way. I mean, they were focused on providing this cloud storage, but then the market moved on and they were trying to find the market feed, the new market feed, trying to. Uh, and all possible type of features. I just got fed up to that thing and just deleted it because it was getting impossible to use, basically. They yeah. lost what they had and they didn't find anything new. So now they have a very predictable workload. It's dying, in my personal opinion. They're just dying. And you can go any place to die. You can stay in the cloud or you could go and like buy yourself a data server like a mausoleum. And that yeah. will be your mausoleum of your company. And you can sit there and like serving the lost people. Yeah, yeah because then you have yeah. a predictable, like, you know, when you start to go after the price of your infra, it means that your balance sheet doesn't look very good. Yeah. This is when people, like, when people start to count money, it means they're having a problem. If the money flowing, they're like, fine, bring mm-hmm. it more. I mean, if you can yeah. pay 10 b- bucks to make 100, uh, you, you pay thousand, right? <laughs> and and make ten thousand. So people will just throw in money while the going is good. But then as soon as going is not so good, yeah. Then they start counting and then they start to look into options. So all those companies who go hybrid on prem, they might not be in like in the best place. No. Or they became public, like you grow up like HashiCorp did, you grow up, grow up, grow up, yeah. you go public. And then there is a pressure to cut to cut costs to show good profit. Yeah. So then some executive can make his early bonus by you know 
figuring out like, yeah, we just we just gonna buy those servers. It's gonna be cheaper than the cloud on the paper. But pain, I got paid. That's the next guy problem. Everything is good. Yeah, but that's the the thing. You, you, you know, I've talked about a lot. It's uh, beer rolling service on my place where I work now, and it's uh, it's simple. Just buy service and calculate the money to buying a server, and then try to fit that into cloud bill. But what happens is that server it's going to be installed. I spent a lot of time getting my service installed. The service are not the same as well. We are smaller companies. We have different years of different generation of servers. And they are behaving a bit different, right? So it's not as you can go to, to the cloud or AWS and, and get the same like a footprint of service all the time. They're a little bit different here in, in, in the infrastructure level as well. Uh, and then storage i mean some things you have in in the cloud that you can't get on prem like buckets of storage terror of storage it's wow. always on prem you're almost every time out of storage it's always the issue with storage this is fast this is out what can i use right uh, but the other thing you say is like you can predict the workload but you also have like a fixed workload on prem so you can't really test anything new right because if you have a test case you need to have double and you don't want to pay for that because you're already so you're just getting the service that you need for what you expected to have and you can't really test them the other things yeah so the, the that's a very good point that you're bringing because the the main idea of the cloud is you pay for what you use yeah, and you optimize to use as little as possible if you really need to. The thing about on-prem is that if something breaks, like you're responsible for it, and you you have to go and fix it. That means that whatever you are doing now is fixing something instead of you know managing and and provisioning and and, uh, and shipping and features. You're doing a business, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, exactly. you need like an overhead. If if your service is using ten CPUs, you can't run your on-prem service with ten CPUs. Maybe you have to free service, so one can crash and one can do the other. Like and the disk needs to be replicated as well. So you still have to pay for that extra room, even mm-hmm. on-prem, that you don't pay for in in AWS. Plus, well, uh, yeah, there are things that you don't see. Like if you compare. Like I, I buy a server to CPU four gigabyte of RAM, and I I rent that from the cloud. That would be more expensive. But what you don't see is exactly as you guys said: is there are people who maintaining all of that, and that's not your problem. Private responsibility model, security is not your problem. Physical security of the data center is not your problem. Electricity yeah. going down is not your problem. Like there is a big ton of problems like a ton of problems that just goes away and and you pay very little for that but those are very expensive problems to to actually fix by yourself and then all the compliance someone comes and asks for your compliance documents you just go to aws artifact download the documents and send them saying like yep here we are you use aws fargate and you have like no uh, connection to the to the underlying VM or anything like that, so you, you cannot touch the infrastructure. That's not your responsibility any longer. That's responsibility of the cloud provider, yeah. and he got you covered. 
with a super great security team that you have no money to hire. Like there is so much, so, so much stuff that goes in and you don't see, and that's what makes the difference in the cost. Yeah. But is so, that why the cloud is, is the cloud that expensive? And if, if you add all these things I, here. I, I would say it's cheaper. Like, but what people do is they see the major cloud providers yeah. as uh, VPS, I think, like virtual private server providers. Exactly, like, exactly. From those guys, you just rent the virtual machine. Yeah. And if it's what you do, then actually you're comparing like apples to peers, if you like. Like it, yeah. it, it's very close that you're comparing yeah. with. But with a cloud provider, you're also getting on top ton of services that VPS will not provide you. So you will have like the event services, you have IAM, you have encryption, like the cameras. It's ton it costs a ton of money. Yeah, and those trust models to store your key material. Go look it up, and then securing that is also super duper expensive. And you get that like one key, one dollar per month, and you can delete it anytime. Yeah, that's a steal. <laughs> true, true. It's uh, and that's where it brings the the question. Like, well, how do you know what you pay for? Like, how do you see? Yeah. Where, where your money is going when you yep. pay your, your cloud bill. And yep. that's really important. That, that's the, yeah. I mean, that's what should drive the, the, most of the decision, saying like, hey, what if we spend a week optimizing that cost yeah. by, you know, making maybe a more fine-grained scheduling system that only deploys when you scale instead of leaving everything running all the time. Uh, exactly. Compared to, oh, it's too expensive, let's move on-prem. This is not a one-week project, you know, yeah. in the, the management. And as you said, the scaling, like the, the promise of the cloud is you pay for what you use. So if you use it, if you use too much, the cloud will not tell you, please stop using us. We're yeah. giving <laughs> us too much money. Um, that's not going to happen. So it, it's up to you. It, it's a, a different management uh, that you need to have. But it, it's... Awesome. I would say comparison, like we, if we compare total cost, total cost of ownership, yeah. I'm 100% sure the cloud is cheaper. Yeah. Uh, another thing is you make a decision like thing. If you go on-prem, half of your workforce just stands up and leaves. Yeah. Because like, who wants to do that? <laughs> like, yeah, go, go, go move it yourself. That's what basically they say. Yeah. Matthias told us the story how he spent a week <laughs> and to figure out what, why, why, why one of his bare metal servers wouldn't boot. Uh, yeah, it was like a yeah, yeah. small, yeah. tiny issue. And you spend a week on that. Yeah. But yeah, it takes it takes a lot of time. You get into, to, as I said before, different bare metal servers are different. We're using the same manufacturer, but different generations have different settings that you can't really work with. So yeah. it, it takes a lot of time. Setting up disks, you have to configure raids takes time you have to do it right as well but but, but also what, what i would argue is some people just do as you said like take like how much cpu do we have now and then compare it to the cloud and that's not really a fair way oh. of comparing right you need to look at what you're going to use in the cloud and, and some people also do that mistake that they always look in production right hmm. for me it's like our integration service having that in the cloud and just deploying merge requests, new version, 
everything that without you know almost no restriction i mean that is the best benefits that we have for developers nothing's blocked this new end of cpu having that on bare metal it would never work mm. it would be around oh, power at once but but if you if you think that your cloud bill is high i mean where's the first thing you would go and look only if you have like a client to say oh we have this really high cloud bill can you have a look right. at it where, where's yeah, the first so where, where you, you would go have... You have a low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Like you go and check, do they use reserved instances, right? So if yeah. they have a predictable workload, yeah. then for the most of the resources, you could commit to use them and yeah. commit to pay for them, like for a year or three, with upfront or all up, with no upfront or all upfront, and then you will spend less money. So you could... Yeah. You could have that for your EC2 instance. That you could have saving plans for for Fargate and Lambdas. You could have reserved instances for OpenShift and MDS. Usually, like the stuff that actually cost you money, like Redshift, like those expensive, not yeah. very moving workloads. So those you could. It's it's low hanging fruit. It just requires clicking the console, and it's yeah. easy to get overview of what you got and how much you need to buy. AWS console will give you suggestions. So okay, so you, 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 you could do it one day. Okay, you just go into the console. You see, like, okay, I always have five servers of this type. I will re- reserve those for uh, two years, and then yeah, how much? Yeah, so you, 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 like... you, you could see your utilization. Yeah, uh, historical utilization, and if it's not changing, then like, well, go reserve it. And another thing that you could do is you could reserve in small chunks. So instead of yeah. buying one big reservation, you can just add ah. small chunks of reservation because. Usually people see reservation as a big commitment, like I'm gonna yeah. marry you. But you yeah. have to be this way. So you you, ah. you could you, you could basically buy a, a separate reservation for every database you have. And then if ah. you miss a little bit, then you lose like well you, you miss one database, it's fine. Maybe yeah. you will get another one soon enough, or maybe you could use uh, additional capacity somewhere else. So yeah. you could choose what you do. The same with saving plans. You can just buy them in the chunks. You don't have to like cover assets right now, right? So that's yeah. one thing you can do. Uh, well, it will require talking to people who knows what kind of workloads they have and why they are there. And then as you talk to those people, obviously there will be a second low-hanging fruit is the stuff that developers create and never shut down. Yeah. So... Like we, for instance, wrote a Lambda for our clients that would go and terminate EC2 instances that not tagged in a correct way. Or yeah. like it will first target, I'm going to delete it, post it to Slack. And then if no one does anything, it goes and deletes that. And it does the same as EBS volumes. Like for EBS volumes, now there are lifecycle policies. So you could actually configure a lifecycle policies and clean up them automatically. Like the snapshots for databases, the same. So the stuff tends to accumulate IMIs if you build IMIs. So like all those things, those are else are quite easy to solve, but will take a yeah. little bit longer. Yeah. Then I the third stuff that you could do without changing anything, or like at least because there is a cost of developers going and changing the code. So that's yeah. you want to touch the last. Because yeah. that will require commitment from them, additional expansions and blah blah. But then you could look into your Traffic patterns. So, if you're serving the good amount of traffic, yeah, then uh, most probably you will have some 
gross AZ traffic going on, you could be charged for that. You could have a stream or like dynamic DB endpoints, so your traffic doesn't go through that gateway. So like that will be easy to other category yeah. in your cost explorer. So look at there, it most probably will be big. And uh, the same with S3, you could look into the classes and optimize yeah. the objects. So there, there is this stuff. And then, exactly as Julian said, then you start to get get smart about things, right? Like, well, no. Then you need to understand what is what, right? Then comes tagging. So you yeah. need to I- I- I implement the tagging for the whole thing. And so you could say, like, well, this belongs to this department, or this is part of that application. So so you could get a, some kind of feasibility of what costs were. Yeah. The good thing is, I think in this reinvent, which is happening now, they announced that you could get per resource uh, cost allocation, which wasn't there yet. So, like, you want to know what the bucket cost, you need to have a tag with a bucket name or something like that. Yeah. But as far, I haven't checked that, but as far as I understood now, it's actually available out of the box. You can check like, how much each resource costs you. Wow. So yeah. that's kind of cool. And, uh, but, but this needs checking, so take that with a grain of salt. As long as yeah. you have a visibility and understanding of what costs what, you find top three category and start to dig in there. And then you go from there. This is the same as with security, right? Yeah. You do enumeration, you do prioritization, then you do the job. Yeah. So you know your top three trending categories, you optimize the hell out of them, and when there is nothing you can do, you move on down the ladder. And maybe yeah. they will actually go down the ladder and you get top three. And that should be a continuous process. Like It would be ideal if you look at that monthly, plus have a budget prediction and a cost anomaly alert. So if something goes high wire, you not end up with a huge bill. And if you do, there are ways of getting your money back. But yeah, and I think that, that was interesting. And you brought it up as well, Julian. So if you're getting a high cloud bill, there are ways to lower that bill by going to the cloud provider and look at what you're paying and what you can do with it. So you can work with it to lower your 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 pricing. Even if you add more resources, you can still lower your 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 cloud bill with it, and that's uh, that's an interesting like angle for it. Yeah, there is many ways as well. Like I often use audit logs to yeah. see how often something is accessed, and then you you see something that's like, hey, we haven't touched this. Like, yeah, why is it there? And you you kind of chase people, and that's where the the tagging. Uh, and the label labels are, are really useful because then you can allocate, you can have your own uh, repartition of w- what what cost what. Yeah, exactly. Which team is is gonna be your biggest spender? And th- there is always one. And then you see, like, okay, yeah. if you do a ten percent optimization on that, well, it's probably a lot. In yeah, the end. yeah, yeah. So, so that's why I, I mean, the, the go go for the biggest. Uh, you know, yeah, sure. revenue costing at first by just looking at what you don't use and make some kind of policy. And in the cloud, it's kind of nice that you can, hey, if you need something, just, yeah, create new everything, but just know it's a 24 hours life cycle. After that, it gets automatically deleted. Yeah. Um, and I hope you you save your work and everything. Don't do things, you know, too rash and please have some kind of, 
back up if you need you, you understand like it, it's also yeah. part of the culture so audit logs is very very useful most of the of the cloud providers lets you export your billing data uh, so mm. all those things so you, you basically gather the audit logs and the the spend and the cost of everything into one place and you will have with a massive you know query you can actually get a pretty good idea mm. of what cost what and and how much uh, I have a small open source project because like I find getting the data from Cost Explorer is not easy. Well, like to see it because it's hard to compare science. Like, what they show you is uh, they sh- what you want to focus on optimizing is a daily cost, and that cost needs to be normalized to the number of days in a month. So, because yeah. when you look at the cost for three months. It would be different, but it actually could be the same just because of the days difference in the number of days. Yeah. So, so every year, every year in March, in the end of March, actually, in the in beginning of April, people come and freak out because uh, the the bill of March is <laughs> right. higher than February. Please, not per month. <laughs> Not per month, not a good idea. Yeah, exactly. You need to have a normalization of some kind. So I do it per day, basically. <laughs> and I have uh, the pandas. Like the, it's Python script that uses pandas to get the data from yeah. the AWS API, and then it outputs into spreadsheet. Yeah. And in that spreadsheet, you have like the monthly cost, and you also have a daily cost compared, like normalized daily costs compared yeah. between months. And uh, that gets you a picture of like where it's growing and all that. And it will automatically highlight for you where it's growing, where it's decreasing, that it will give you the top services that where you spend. And for each service, like of top five, it will give you a breakdown of like, the API operations used. So you can get a better understanding of uh, what it is because you will go and do that. Like you yeah, will do yeah. this digging by your own, by yourself. So I, I usually just run that and that gives me the, all the data I need to analyze and then send the spreadsheet, I could write on the side saying like, well, this is not good. We need to do this and we need to do that. And then you can share it with the stakeholders. Like just export that to PDF and uh, and uh, share it to the stakeholders. I can, I can share the link in a, in a show notes. Yeah. Don't forget. That would uh, be cool. Yeah. I think it's a, it's really nice to have those tools um, and as well, the, the more you dig into cost, the more you realize how intertwined it is with security. Because if suddenly you have a sc- cluster that gets spun up and started costing a lot, you, you will you will see in the cost. Like, yeah. But it's better. Yeah. You, you understand? Like the cost and security go together because whatever you're running is like you're supposed to know what you're running. And oh, so yeah, if, yeah. if you don't, if you look at the cost, you will see why today is like we have that much more and suddenly you realize somebody published their keys on, you know, some public repository or something. And yeah, so- not, 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 not even that. You can even use your cost report as an intrusion detection system because, yeah. for instance, you look in your S3 course and yeah. in S3, you will have basically egress from S3. You have to pay for that. Yeah. Which is not cool. As many people say, <laughs> uh, but if someone egressing data from S3, I mean, if someone is downloading shit, gigabytes from your S3, 
Zad vēl šo apam jeb bēl, jo jo Estri Kostru John. Let will tell you that something is fishy going on here because you usually don't download as much data. Well, if you check it one month, that's probably too late. So that's why you want to have cost anomaly detection turn on. There is not such a thing. Like make sure you have it. Yeah. And the same with easy to others where you have the traffic. So if like if if you have a lot of data going out through that gateway more than usual, your cost will increase and that will yeah. you know spot something for you. It might be just a developer who have no idea what he's doing, but you wanna you wanna catch that stuff early and figure out what it is. Yeah, it's better to know than not to know, for yeah. sure. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's they, the way they, of knowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're coming up on time here, around thirty minutes. But First uh, what, what, what I understand and think more about now is like when you talk about the cloud and the the bill from the cloud, it's not just one thing. I think you need to chunk it up in different things. What are you paying for storage? What are you paying for your traffic? What are you paying for your EC two and understand the the different and then maybe you can compare it to to some metal or whatever and um, the salaries of the people managing all that all that as well yeah andre any last words no it's all good uh if we have a good holidays if we release this uh, podcast before the christmas we might do so have a good holidays <laughs> people yeah have a good holiday thanks for tuning in bye You have been listened to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.